This is a special edition of A Storied Life, where I interview Danny Marks, host of Blues FM on Jazz FM. On the internet, you can listen live to it on Saturday nights from 8 to midnight, and I've been doing guest spots on that for a couple of years. And Danny and I did a couple of songs together, and I've included them in the interview. They're one-take wonders, and this this one's a special. Oh, when you wake up in the morning, you hear the big bell ring. You go marching to the table, and you see the same damn thing. Is all on one table, a knife, a fork, and a can. If you say anything about it, you are in trouble with the man. I let the midnight special shine a light on me. I let the midnight special. Let the midnight special shine a light on me. I let the midnight special shine her heaven on me. If you ever go to Memphis, well, you better walk around and know you better not gamble. Oh, you better not fight For the sheriff will arrest you He gonna carry you on down You can bet your bottom dollar You are sugar land bound I let the midnight special Shine a light on me I let the midnight special shine a heavy love and light on me. I let the midnight special shine a light on me. I let the midnight special shine a heavy love and light light on me. Yonder comes Miss Rosie. You tell me how do I know? By the color of her apron and the dress she wore, a home umbrella on her shoulder, a piece of paper in her hand. She tells the sheriff, "I want my man." I let the midnight Daddy Marks, I'm turning the tables on you. 
You're the one that's been interviewing me for the last 19 guest sessions. Now it's my turn. The worm has turned, in effect. The worm has turned. Yes, and I've got some questions that I've been thinking about asking you and never quite got around to it. Well, fire away, Sonia. I'm delighted to have this opportunity for us to have the tables to be reversed and for you to be wearing the hat of the questioner and for me to be just talking about himself incessantly. Well, isn't that the best part, eh? (laughs) Yeah. What was your first gig, man? My first gig was probably in a church basement uh, somewhere in uh, the North Toronto area. There was a church where the bands used to play, and and, uh, it could have been at a church basement or it could have been at a high school. But our first real road gig was we took the bus and our gear and our column speakers up to Collingwood, and we played there because I knew a girl who wanted to book our band up there. Hey, knowing a girl helps. Totally. (laughs) It certainly has helped in knowing you all of this time and how much help you've been in my life as a a person who's designed my website for me, as someone who's been there always giving me really caring and loving advice and someone I can turn to for questions about the blues. You have totally been my blues mama. Oh, God bless. Well, you know I've unofficially adopted you. We'll make it legal someday. Okay, that's fine with me. I'll sign the papers anytime. Okay. Now, when you were playing, were you doing rock? Was that a rock that you were playing? Well, I guess so. I think what happened to me was that I grew up and my most formative era was in the early 60s when everything was everywhere and being exposed to the best kind of music you could possibly imagine of all forms. You you, you didn't want to settle on anyone, but when it came to the band, yes, we were playing songs like Louie Louie, Secret Agent Man, you know, Elvis stuff, and Jimmy Reed. You got me peeping, you got me hiding, Ray Charles, what'd I say? That sort of thing, too. Okay, so you were doing covers, but you were doing good covers. Well, oh yeah, only the good stuff, but there was just so much good stuff of all kinds. The first agent that ever heard me play the lead guitar in a band said to me, you know, you got kind of a country sound to your music, and I could never really figure out why at that time, but it must have been listening to James Burton and all that country stuff that we loved. You know, James Burton played on the Ricky Nelson records, and... He was, a, he was just the greatest country picker back then. Ricky and his band doesn't get as much credit as they deserve, that's for sure. Well, yeah, because they were all the, the best sidemen in Los Angeles. Yeah. Now, your dad's a player, too. Yes, indeed. And dad, in fact, uh, was all, another one of those guys that straddled the twin worlds of country and blues as well as everything else. His big role was... Um, in guys and dolls but that was in the youth group you know in the in the temple choir i think you know or the they they put on an amateur production but dad loved all that stuff and he listened to cab calloway growing up and he played the harmonica and he used to go in front of a crowd by himself with his harmonica and a little harmonica as well and play turkey in the straw and win talent contests all over the city of toronto when he was a kid whoa i never knew that you come by it honestly i do believe i do Yeah. yeah Speaking of instruments and not harmonicas, but of guitars in this instance, I understand that you have a a few of them. Well, yeah, I do. I do have a few guitars, and I, I love the guitar, you know, because the guitar is all all kinds of things. And among the many things it is, it's very much like a friend, and it's like a person because it's got everything from a head 
Well, you know, it's got a neck, it's got a beautiful body if it's a really nice guitar, and it sings for you, and it plays with you, and it keeps you company, and you can hug it, and you can hold it, and you can go with it in front of people and make people smile and make people rock. I mean, it's just the greatest. It's the best instrument there is. It's like the heavenly harp. That reminds me of a story from the 60s where a fella took a, his guitar into the washroom stall with him, and when someone asked him why, he said, we're in love. Well, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Well, I would have thought you were going to say he took it into the washroom because, as everybody knows from Chet Atkins on down, that's where you get the best reverb, and you need that great reverb on your guitar. Oh. How many guitars have you got, Danny? Um, well, I think a couple of dozen or so. Do you play them in rotation? Well, uh, usually I'm standing up or sitting down, but I will say this, that I do change. There are some guitars that I have that I haven't played for a while, and there are some that won't let me go out of the house without them. And there's one guitar that was made on my birthday that anyone who's seen me play in the last few years, especially during the summer, the big festivals, that's the only guitar that I take with me. And it's very special because imagine if you had an instrument born on your birthday, you're not even playing a separate thing. It's just like you might as well be playing your arm because you've got that. But the new, one of the newest guitars that I just got is called uh, a Silvertone Jupiter, and it was made by the Harmony Company in 1961, and it looks like the top of an old Formica table. Picture it black with gold fleck paint on it and bound, multi-bound in white ivoryed. And anyway, this guitar is very, very light, and it's sort of a cheapo guitar, but it was made in America in the days when even cheap American-made stuff was really great, had lots of integrity. And this guitar is telling me stories that I just, I don't know where they're coming from. It needs a little tweaking. It still has a weak spot or two, and it's like in mint condition, and it won't let me put it down at home. I can tell that you're an expert on vintage guitars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I noticed in about 1964, suddenly the penny was about half as thick, or maybe two-thirds, and I thought, 65, I think it was, why is the penny suddenly still worth a penny, but there's less of it? That can't be. Something's weird about that. And then one of the th- I noticed stuff was not being made, and that was around the time that Fender got sold to a big con- uh, conglomerate. And things got sold, and Kennedy was killed, and something happened. Planned obsolescence took over from pride in workmanship. That's a really good point. That's a lie, funny as it seems. Some people get their kicks by stepping on dreams, but I refuse to let it get me down. Because this old world keeps on turning around. That's what people say. They say you're riding high in April and you're shot down in May. But I refuse to let it get me down. Because it's over world she keeps turning around. I've been a pirate, a popper, a poet, a pawn, and a queen. I've been up and down and over and out. Myself lying flat on my face. I pick myself back up and I get right back in the race. That's life. I can't deny it. 
your reconditioned guitars that you know all the bits and pieces and parts where they come from and where they should go well i don't know about um, all of the work that you can do on them as far as like pulling frets and replacing frets i can only do the fine tuning stuff that a guy with some screwdrivers and a little bit of uh, steel wool and some lemon oil but i can do that fine tuning you see a fender stratocaster is almost completely put together with screws. And it's the adjustment, the fine adjustment of the screws that hold the springs that work the tremolo. And so a guitar that that I would get, I can do the tweaking, but I cannot do the refinishing or the refretting. And I leave that up to the masters, you know, but, but as a guitarist, I can do that little fine tuning that makes them work for me. And I'll sit with one week after week and then I'll realize perhaps it needs a different kind of a piece there. And I know exactly what piece should be on every vintage guitar that I get, so I know if something's been replaced, I, I'll find a, an original one and replace it with. But the strats are a special animal, and they require a real finely tuned setup. So even after the luthier, so-called, gets through with them, the player gets in there and tunes it and balances it out because there are springs in the back that balance this fulcrum tremolo bit that uh, that is on a knife edge that pivots and so how tightly your strings and how tightly your springs are set they offset each other and make the playing action just perfect and you just tweak it down there you go you know what now she's great and you hope it'll last for a while because frets do wear out and they have to be filed down and recrowned okay that's really great i found that fascinating i'm glad you did one more question, and it's loaded. You pretty much represent yourself. You've got gangs of talent, so you've certainly got a product worth having, but how do you get gigs? Gigs come to me from various places. You know, I have my website, uh, com, and people can phone me about gigs. People can email me easily. I'm easily found and certainly very, you know, searchable on the Internet. And people offer me gigs, and more and more as the years have gone by and as things are going by for me, I only accept a gig if someone says, we want you to come and be Danny Marks. And then I'm like, well, what part of Danny Marks do you need? That's the part I can bring. But if they say, we need a guitarist who can do a little, I'm like, well, why don't you call one? But when you need Danny Marks, I'm the guy to call. Wow. Yeah. Thanks very much, Danny. This has been a great interview. It makes a long time I feel bad. It makes a long time I feel so bad. He can't get no letters He can't 
your hair Let your hair hang down This is Sonia Brock, podcasting from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I can be reached on the web at soniabrock.com, S-O-N-I-A-B-R-O-C-K dot com, N-I-A-B-R-O-C-K dot com.